Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Sorry for the delay in the release of this episode. We recorded this a little while back, but we've been busy with work and moving house and having builders in and other real-life horrors. But here it is at last. Thank you for your patience. And enjoy. Is, it, is the ice crunching annoying, please? Or can you cut it out? Uh, I'll leave it in now that you mentioned it. <laughs> Another new bug you might like. Concrete Siberia. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. It's all um, pictures of... Shitholes. Concrete buildings in <laughs> Siberia. Cold shitholes. Britain. An ancient kingdom with legends of violence, cruelty, and torment in its blood. Join your hosts, Ross, John, and James, as they bravely tread where few would dare. Witness their journey into the horrific history of British horror. They are... The General Witchfinders. Ladies and gentlemen, goblins and ghouls, welcome to the eleventh episode of the General Witchfinders podcast. I'm James in Bournemouth on the south coast of England. I'm John Pountney in the south of Wales, which is in South Wales. I am Ross in Dorchester in southern England. And today's episode, we're going to cover the horror of Fang Rock. Believe that I'd made a terrible mistake. I thought I'd lock the enemy out. Instead, I've locked it in with us. They always said the beast of Fang Rock would be back. An alien creature? Yes. Travelling through space? Yes. And yet... Desperate, you said. Why? Don't The creature has got into the lighthouse. Now we must fight for our lives. Doctor Who, Horror of Bang Rock, starts tomorrow, 11.40. Horror of Fang Rock is the first serial of the 15th season of the British science fiction television series Doctor Who. First broadcast in four weekly parts on BBC One from the 3rd to the 24th of September, 1977. The TARDIS lands on the island of Fang Rock off the south coast of England in the early 20th century. 
Noticing that the lighthouse isn't functioning properly, the Doctor, in his fourth incarnation, or Infinity Plus Four by today's reckoning, played by Tom Baker, decides to investigate. Upon arrival at the lighthouse, the Doctor discovers the dead body of one of their wikis. The other two keepers, old superstitious Reuben and the keen young Vince Hawkins, report that a light fell from the sky near the island. They also explain that the electricity flow on the lamp on the lighthouse has become erratic, and the Doctor deduces something is feeding on the flow. Reuben does not help matters with his constant references to the mythical beast of Fangrock, which allegedly once terrorised the lighthouse. As the Doctor and his companion, Leela, played by Louise Jameson, explore, something moves Ben's body out of the lighthouse and onto the island, and they witness a curious electric cracking, which seems to have killed fish nearby. Cool. So Doctor Who, we've finally done Doctor Who. Yes, we've gone from being a stealth Doctor Who podcast to an overt (laughs) Doctor Who podcast. One of the Um, things that drew me to become friends with John when we went to university was that he was a big Doctor Who fan. Was that obvious at the time? Uh, I think it's one, of, it's one of the things that came out that you, that, well, I think one of the things that came out, we liked the same sort of things. And one yeah. of the things that made me love you even more, John, was we were Doctor <laughs> Who fanaticism. We should point out for people, this was when Doctor Who was not the global yeah. brand that it is now. It was uh, yeah. absolutely That's kind of on 1995. That's true. Yeah, That's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in mothballs still at this point, it, wasn't it? It was very mothballs. Well, actually, mm. actually, this May is the 25th anniversary of the Paul McGann TV special. Wow. Which, which was on the same year that we went to Cardiff. But I think that... um. I think that the Doctor Who that I was into and st- still am into, and I'm not mm. so fussed on the on contemporary Doctor Who, is like the classic run from Hartnell to McCall. Mm. I just assumed that John, yeah. you seen, you saw, you had seen all classic Doctor Who, and I think no, is, I haven't. Um, and, um, I've tried to watch as much of it as I possibly can because I, my love of Doctor Who was reignited by meeting John and I had to, to write um, some questions for a dot who <laughs> quiz between John and um, our philosophy lecturer um, yeah. who was a big dot who fan as well. So I, I got this, I got some dot who books and I read up all about it and it re it reminded me all the doctor who knowledge and um, experience that I had growing up and mm. watching it. And I got back into it at that point. I can remember Mm. getting quite um, obsessed that they should bring Doctor Who back mm. uh, and I wrote a letter to the BBC suggesting that they should bring Doctor Who back with <laughs> and as a doctor <laughs> um, with another a- boob jiggler <laughs> and, um, do you want me to tell you a story always oh, oh actually it might not be him I might be Oh, I've heard you can't put this in but I have heard a story that is a big sex was a big sexual what? predator, and oh. at one point uh, jiggled um, Sandy Toxvig's boobs while she was live on air on the radio. That's only because they're <laughs> the only female boobs he could reach. <laughs> you can't put that in though, because I can't remember who told me, and it's obviously slanderous. It was meant to be a perv, and that's why they supposedly didn't commission that thing where he was playing the Queen's bodyguard. Do you remember that? That was, oh. It was on one Christmas a few years ago, about five years ago. Uh, obviously, okay. the Queen would have a bodyguard who was in his yeah. 70s. <laughs> and, um, and three foot two. Yeah. 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 So, um, 
No, he. I don't think he'll be playing Doctor Who anytime soon. No, well, that's, that's about half an hour's worth of content we can't um, include. <laughs> Just beat the names up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and they wrote a letter back to me saying that um, they weren't thinking of bringing Doctor they Who back. They wrote you? Yeah. Well, the BBC, they used to have to reply to every letter. She wrote, so I wrote loads of stuff to them. They didn't reply to mine. I wrote one. I wrote one to Alan Yintob saying, bring it back. <laughs> Maybe Alan. you too. You, your voices helped move that, get the boulder yeah. rolling. Yeah. rolling again for the return of Doctor Who. Um, Russell T Davis. I can remember being in Australia and John either ringing me or texting me to say that uh, the TARDIS is on Queen Street in in, in Cardiff when they were filming the Chris, Chris Eccleston no way. return to Doctor uh, Was yeah. that when you were in Australia? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When John didn't understand that there was a time difference. Well, of course I understood. He used to ring me up at four o'clock in the morning. Well, you just, you know, what were you doing in bed when you're in Australia having the time of your life? I was actually watching Doctor Who on ABC, which they had, all, they had black and white um, repeats at every, every tea time. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't realise that John hadn't seen all Doctor Who, and this is one of the series I believe you hadn't seen before. Is that right, John? I have not seen this. Wow. I, okay. I, I haven't seen a huge proportion. I've probably seen everything from Peter Davison onwards, because I saw it when it went out. Mm. Uh, I've seen quite a lot of Pertwee, but there's a lot of Bacon I haven't seen, and obviously Ooh. there's a lot of Hartnell and Troughton that no one has mm. seen because they've uh, Gone. ditched them. Yeah. What did you think of um, John Pertwee's first story? <laughs> well, <laughs> let me tell you about that. It's a it's a great story. It it had to be entirely shot on 16 millimeter for a reason I can't quite remember, and it's the only Doctor Who story that's ever been t- totally filmed on 16 millimeter really? oh, film. Interesting. I'd like to see that one day. Anyway. So back to um, the horror of Frank Rock. Mm. Yes. 1977. Yeah. So this is one of the latest um, things we've ever covered, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was quite excited to find out because I did a little bit of like, probing around this today in, in yeah. preparation. And I was like, wow, this is great. This um, John's a year younger than, than Ross and I. But I was like, this was what was on TV when I was born. Yeah. yeah. I, I, just, yeah. So I, I quite enjoyed that. And I, I looked back further and I found mm. out that, it, in fact, it was the talons of Wing Chang. Wing Chang, yeah. Wing Chang, which was on the day I was born. Oh, for no sure. way. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't remember which one mine is. That's now. a controversial one now, though. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's I know. Nice. Cultural problems. Yeah. yeah big culture. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, let's not talk about that here. Yeah, yeah move on. Move but, on. Uh, <laughs> we don't want Paul Cornell blocking us again, even though he still hasn't unblocked us. <laughs> so we start off with a, a, a an incredible um, little bit of um, video effects of the of something coming from the sky with a, a lovely model shot of yeah. the uh, of, of the uh, lighthouse of Fang Rock, um, but, uh, which looked just, very atmospheric. Yes, though. Every time they cut back to that, that was yeah. that, you know that had a real kind of horror feel to it. Straight Strangely away. shot on film on sixteen mil, mil but wow. then the effect is a video effect, which is 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 just one of those quite jarring see things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but yeah, however, it is like I said before, that is what science fiction to me looked like yeah. for, for a long, long time, and still, this is what my dreams of, of horror and the, the special effects budgets in my dreams. Oh, this level! <laughs> but it's almost like someone's just like shi- uh, shined a light over the um over the um. The That's almost mm. exactly what it is. I, I can we set the scene by saying this is 1977. This is the summer of the Jil- Silver Jubilee. 
This yes. is God Save the Queen, getting to the top of the chart, Sex Pistols. Yeah. But there was no number one that week. It was number two, which was Sailing by Rod Stewart. This is this sets the scene for this, you know, 10 million people nearly watched this. Yeah, Play for Brian, wow. Life for Brian. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant uh, Star Wars. It's just get, Star Wars. Is still yeah. in the cinemas. Oh, oh, in incredible, UK cinemas. isn't it? What a time! Yeah. What a time! Incredible, right, so, incredible. And meanwhile, what? Pebble Mill. Yeah. yeah. Well, what what I thought. My my initial note is I thought, especially after a few scenes, I thought, it, Ross, it's interesting that you said in your the preamble that I that I read out is that it says that it's set in the 1920s. I thought this could have been set actually any time in about a hundred years. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I. Uh, they never give you a date. Even though I copy and pasted that, um, of course. wrote it. Um, I thought I just assumed it's Victorian times. I thought it yes, was me Victorian. Too. But then he mentions the car, like when he turns up and Leela goes, "Oh, the Tardis." Tom Baker yeah. goes, "Oh, well, uh, we mean our car is on there." So I thought, wait, so this is set when cars are in? Does he say widespread? car? I think he did. Well, okay, I might be wrong. There would be. A high proportion of people watching this who will be yeah. massive Doctor Who fans oh, yeah. and will be um, tutting and rolling their eyes. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry everybody. They'll, they'll know much more than us, yeah. Yes, I mean, yes. they um, thought that the, um, the, the uh, two of the uh, light, uh, lighthouse keepers seem to be being played by Eric Idle and, and Michael Palin. <laughs> and uh, Harry Seacom is the older... Um, well, no, I thought the third wiki looked like he'd escaped from uh, Carlos Santana's band. <laughs> he, he had a very kind of strong 70s, you know, or maybe, maybe war, the Los Angelinos funk outfit. He wasn't to last long, was he? No. 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 I, I struggled to make notes with this. Mm. Because I just watched it, and it, and to be fair, it whips by. Episode three is a bit unintelligible. Yeah. Um, I think it could have been a ninety-minute kind of film experience rather than four twenty-five-minute episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that from the get-go, the kind of sets and production design uh, and the atmosphere is actually really really good mm-hmm. and um, a big improvement over a lot of Pertwee stuff, which is only three or four or five years before, which some of them now look really, really shonky. Mm-hmm. I tried watching Carnival of Monsters recently, which I think was 72. And um, it's it, it, it's quite unwatchable now because it looks so early 70s mm-hmm. and just the colours mm-hmm. are so horrible the costumes are horrible. The effects are horrible. You know, the CSO, the colour separation overlay stuff, which of which there is quite a lot in this. No, okay, uh, more on that. Yeah. <laughs> which is the, the BBC equivalent of blue screen. Obviously, the BBC can't use the word uh, chroma key or blue screen. They can only use their own name, which is colour separation, separation overlay, um, which really reminded me, and I'm sure it will, if you two have seen it, it it will remind you as well, which is the Dad's Army episode where ah. they're all st- they're all stuck in a boat at That's night right. on the sea, yeah. and they've just all got this blue line around them, them. and they all look like they're fading into infinity with all this static <laughs> around their faces. But the, um, and it, when they're up on the top, the main point they use to see uh, CSO on this is when they're at the top of the lighthouse and the sky. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's, it moves at a different speed to the camera yes. and everything. It, so it gives a very weird um, sort of it's feel to quite it. quite psychedelic. It, yeah. I, I said it, 
my note was Tom Baker's ginormous hair is beautifully contrasted. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of get, like it gave it an electric outline. <laughs> Otherwise, they um, I really don't know why they didn't just light a white uh, wall behind that mm-hmm. and just smoke it. It would have made much more sense load, load, than load of dry ice. But, but yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we've yeah. all had yeah. dry ice, dry ice experience. Yeah, we've <laughs> plenty, of, plenty of dry ice experience. <laughs> I think I got, a, B, I got a, a, a BA honours in dry ice. <laughs> the doctor appears and, and I'm trying to work out, were the exterior shots shot externally? I think it's a set shot on film. So it's probably in a bigger soundstage than the other sets because the other sets are so small, aren't they? Mm. Uh, but but that lends itself to a lighthouse, which is yes. often um, on things. My big complaints is that especially if they do things like submarines or lighthouses. Yeah, 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 I said, yeah. that's too big, that's too big. It would be smaller than that. And I think they, mm. they, they did a nice, good job of it the... It works really well. Um, and I think it's probably a, a budget thing. You know, they had to write one. I think this, I think I read that this was, Terrence Sticks wrote this because um, the film, the, the film, the story that would become State of Decay, which is in a few seasons time for Tom Baker, mm. was going to clash with Dracula that yes. the BBC were making with uh, Louis Jordan at that point. Um, so they so they did this instead, basically. And it does feel a little bit like Terrence Dicks just doing Terrence Dicks, which is not a great characterization, a little bit of class warfare. It, it kind of writes itself, but... It's it's immensely enjoyable in the meantime. It was like who goes there slash the thing. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. It's exactly yeah. that same thing of people stuck in a remote location. Yeah, something starts picking them off. Yeah, something can take the form of a human. It's it's that trope. And I thought how and I read the same thing as you, John. I thought oh, that's really interesting how mm. like having having to turn it away from being something Dracula esque. Mm. So this, this mm. is like the second go-to for the horror trope. Oh, yeah, You've, yeah, you've yeah, either yeah. got that, you know, the enigmatic dark force mm. of work, or you've got that we're stuck somewhere and we're siege, under attack by someone. mentality the thing, mentality. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, and it's classic Terrence Dix. Um, I have met Terrence Dix. I don't know if I've got any stories I can tell later. <laughs> so tell me more about because how did because I am not the Hoovian of it yeah. but I am so aware of the name of Terrence Dix is it just mainly who that he he kind of rose to fame on or has he got more of a background yeah pretty much he, yeah. he came in in Troughton's run I think as okay. script editor right and then he certainly script edited Pertwee's run with with Barry Letts as producer Mm. And wrote a lot of that. But then what he's really known for is doing all the target novelizations. Yes. Which okay. he must have written one a week for like 20 years or something, basically. Oh, knock it around. Which yeah. is, it's an incredible, uh, it, when you look at them all and it's all like, mm. it's Terrence Sticks, Terrence Sticks, Terrence Sticks, Terrence Sticks, someone else, Terrence Sticks, Terrence Sticks, Terrence Sticks. And there's like 170 of them or something insane. Wow. But, um, he um, he did do a lot of other stuff, mainly writing uh, for children's books. And he did a series of books on the Baker Street, the regulars. Oh, okay. Uh, that are the kids that uh, pop up in the Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes uh, yeah. stories. Um, I'm sure there's tons and tons and tons of stuff that he did. Very prolific. And um, 
really to be credited with the uh, creation, really, of the character of the Doctor, because he he wrote mm. the kind of script outline Bible for the Doctor that I think was then passed on. So he came up with the thing, he's never cruel cr- uh, yes. cruel or cowardly, he's always kind and blah, 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 yeah. blah. So that's his thing that, that went forward from the Pertwee Which years, is completely then. the opposite to what the original character was as a Well, yeah, off. I mean, Hartnell is a really, I mean, it's fascinating. Cruel, cowardly, cowardly. Yeah, 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 really interesting character. Then Troughton is obviously really different. Yeah, but what do we think about Baker in this story? Well, I think he's incredible. And yeah. I was just... I've written so many times in the um, in my notes here that, that Tom's smile or <laughs> is he playing it as written or because there's some lines he he says which yeah. I, I'm I'm sure he just it's gonna, what was that what was that it's like a ghost did, adventures yeah did you hear like a, a like a music box? ice cream van it sounded like an ice cream van it sounded like a music yeah. box to me like a children's music box. I wonder if that's going to come up, come out on the recording. <laughs> oh, hopefully, hopefully, because it sounded like it was in the room. Yeah, mm. I definitely heard it in oh, yes. my headphone ear, not in this room. Right. Okay. Groovy. <laughs> right. But I, I, there's so many points in there where it looked like he was completely subverting what the lines he was saying. Yes. By the, his delivery of it and. When people, mm. some people were saying some very dramatic, almost over the top dramatic lines, yeah. it looked like he was going to laugh. Yeah. And, and, and I was thinking, is, is, that, is that Tom Baker thinking this is ridiculous, or is he thinking the doctor would find this ridiculous? And he's he was drunk most of the time, wasn't he? I think Tom Baker would struggle to find the difference between Tom Baker and the doctor at that point. Um, but I think his performance yes. is just. <laughs> I mean, it's so incredible that he just carries the whole thing with his own bravado. And when you look at some of the more recent Doctor Whos now, um, you're just like, whoa, like, where is this enormous figure at the centre of the show? And I think that's what it's really missing Mm. at the moment with, even with like Peter Capaldi, like, I don't think he's got that insane magnetism where uh, Tom Baker's eyes are just popping out he's not saying anything and he just it's mad that you just like transfixed my note is I've just written Baker is Doctor Who and (laughs) I've underlined the word is because that's just I've heard so many things that people always go, oh, the person who you think is Doctor Who is the person who he was when you were a kid but for me you know that was Peter Davidson and I don't know I just think it's Tom Baker Yeah, Tom Baker Tom Baker's Doctor Who Peter Davidson for me as well is very uh, much in my psyche. And actually, as I get older, Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy now, I think, God, when I think back now and when I watch the old ones now, I actually find them more enjoyable where the... I feel like modern Doctor Who, the Doctor, isn't actually part of the story very much. Mm. Just seems to observe what's happening with Bloody River Song and Amy Friggin' Pond and... Mm. Uh, stupid Jenna Coleman and and uh, fucking Bradley Wiggins, uh, Bradley Walsh. Bradley Walsh. <laughs> the amazing thing got Bradley Wiggins <laughs> on his bike going on the, about Paul Weller the whole time. He's got like <laughs> lazy circles around the doctor, like he's doing. <laughs> I just, um, 
Yeah, I just watched this and I thought, because Le- Leela also is very, very good in this. Yes. Really um, fucking annoying, though, for, like, <laughs> the fact that she does the absolute opposite to everything. everything. To, to I, I like yeah. that her attitude is just stab them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah, gets yeah, on the yeah. front foot, doesn't she? She, she, she's like Telly Savalis in Horror Express. <laughs> Let's sort this out straight away. <laughs> yeah. Let's get my knife out. Always picking bang. up objects and seeing if they are good enough as a weapon. And yes. uh, like That's try, good. trying out a spade. Really, really good characterization. One, one of Baker's, whichever one Baker was was uh, knocking, knocking she, off for, for, for a while. Really? It wasn't her, but... Oh, okay. oh, hang on. I'm really... Right, hang on. This is blowing my mind. You must know this. Was it not Jane Ash? No. That's Paul McCartney. She was talking about... <laughs> Lala Ward. Oh, it is Lala Ward, is it? Yeah, so yeah. Tom Baker's ex- ex-wife. So t- Tom Baker's ex-wife. Yeah, he's married to Are they, are they still yeah. married now? I believe so. Oh, separated 2016. No, she couldn't stand Why him anymore. Why wasn't that on, the, on the, um, the headline of the news? Uh, <laughs> like um, fucking Bill, Bill Gates. Bill Gates, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she is a warrior kind of princess from the tribe mm. of the Sevateen. And she is introduced in the story Face of Evil. Which is a giant statue of Tom Baker's face. Tom Baker's face. Um, awesome. As you were asking me off air earlier, James, I don't yes. know if she's from the past or the future, but she's from not the future. a human. She's from the future. because it's It a, is the future, is it? I've probably got this wrong, but it's, it's, a, it's a human spaceship which crashed, isn't oh, it? And then uh, they, over, over the... Over the eons. Yeah, the yeah. eons. They start worshipping the Doctor who, at some point in his Visited. future, yeah. helped them out in their past and... It's a very clever, of course. Clever bit of writing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they've all got um, like the priests have got like weird uh, got like technology and stuff, haven't they? And scarves. Yes. Yeah. They've got scarves. scarves. <laughs> yeah. So this is the first story, I think, and I might be wrong again, I'm sure Whovians will know, where mm. she's not dressed in like her leather bondage gear that she wears in that first episode. Yeah. Um and they, when they turn up, she's in a very weird kind of Victorian Victorian kind of yeah like flower seller or match girls kind of uniform <laughs> but then changes into a a, a man's outfit for, for, which looks quite no, co- you know yeah, she's quite current, current didn't she, she yeah, looks, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but it's just so they could do the joke of her getting undressed in front of the um the 1920s man who can be get embarrassed by it <gasps> but I was thinking um they're all wearing really, really thick, heavy jumpers. They must have been yeah. sweating their tits off like, under yeah. those studio lights. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not doing very, very well covering okay. the story of this, are we? Okay, well, no. well, we'll whip, we can whip through it quickly, Ross. Well, in ahead. the first go, go, go. episode, what happens? The Doctor goes there. Some Something mysterious so, is, is killing people. So something's landed in the water. Yeah. Um, so the light's been going on and off. Um, yeah, and then one, mentioned one, in the preamble. Yeah, yeah, and then one of the, um, the lighthouse keepers gets killed, and that's basically what happens in, in the first episode, isn't it? And the- hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Doctor wears a yes. bowler hat, which looks cool. Which is yes, which he wears on the cover of the um the target. He, he's on the cover of the target novel. Yes, it, um, mm. and then the the cliffhanger is the um is some kind of schooner or pleasure yacht mm. or something <laughs> crashing into the rocks. But again, it's not a bad kind of model shot of this event. It's better than than the train in Horror Express. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It is, yeah. And and this, for me, seals all that is evil with modern Doctor Who mm. is the lack of cliffhangers. Doctor Who, for me, is a sequence of two, three, four episodes, even sometimes bloody seven episodes, where you have cliffhangers. How many was the War Games? Oh, my God, like 10 episodes or something, <laughs> I think, insane. But Doctor Who, for me... The integral part of the DNA is, is, is the cliffhanger. And that is something that I do miss. I mean, I miss lots of things in the new Doctor Who story, story development, character development, uh, storylines. But I think that, you know, this just shows that the format is, I think this one isn't a great one to choose because I think the third episode is literally just padding because, yeah. It's it's lots of people going up and down stairs a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But um, it's just great to have a cliffhanger, and it's like, oh, what's going to happen next week? Rather than it's just all being tied up in an episode, um, which is so much of, of Doctor Who now. Uh, and I know I sound like an old fart, but I don't care. <laughs> episode two. The big thing for me is that, like, they they you know, oh, what's that down there in the water? Yeah. And my note is, it looks like. It basically, it's a, it's a Brussels sprout, glowing Brussels being, sprout, a, growing, a glowing Brussels <laughs> Brussels sprout being pulled along. It's, it's not lots the, of crackling sound effects. But yeah. there was some there was some classic um, uh, monster POV stuff in this, isn't there? Oh, yeah, slightly too much, I would say. Yeah. It's, it's a nice kind of idea, but then once you've seen the, the POV for the forty eighth time, yes. where it's 
like a black and white circle in in amongst some out of focus tinsel. So then we get um, some of the the people on the boat coming ashore, yes. don't we? So then we get the introduction of the uh, toffs. Mm-hmm. Oh, to uh, yeah. to to bring a bit of um, um, racial uh, racial racial tension, class war, class, class warfare. Um, um, it's not totally convincing, and there's a big because of what we'll come to discuss later. And there's also um, a bit a, a, a subplot which is to do with some money that the younger guy. <laughs> Lord Henry. Palmer's is it Lord Palmer's uh, Dale or something? Or something, like yeah, something along those lines. He's trying to get money off the other guy who's been in India or something. Yeah. And to be honest, I took no notice of that story whatsoever yeah. because it's very superfluous. It, it really is. Really? Well, like one of them is given some inside information. Um, yes, uh, in order for him to make some money on the stock exchange, but he, he has to do it by the time the uh, the stock market so, opens. Oh, but they, I see. Desperate to get back to London. Yeah, but he, he spent too long at the casino, uh, wherever they were, yeah. um, so that they're, they're running late. So he made the guy, um, uh, made the boat go too fast. The captain. Uh, yeah. And yeah. then they crashed the boat. And I didn't realise until later on that loads of people on the boat died. <laughs> they, they are the only survivors. Yes, <laughs> it wasn't until late, uh, later on when the the sole surviving crew member starts yeah. trying to strangle um, him and accusing him of killing all yeah. the other yeah. people. That I realised that the whole crew had died because they they, they make quite light of. Also, this. the guy who is Henry, the Lord, not Palmerston, Lord Palmer, whatever he is. Yeah. Basically, I've written down he's our upper class uppity arsehole. Yes, that, that we often it, get. Often when we've watched a lot of things, there's an uppity arsehole in it. It's like, oh, yes, don't I haven't got time for this. Give me the truth. Don't, don't, you know what a don't. rat sounds like, boy. Yeah, right, that's right. <laughs> You're a country lads. He was, <laughs> he was that guy from the Stone Tape for this I episode. I can't remember wasn't he? the Stone Tape guy's name, but it is. Oh him. yeah, what's but his yeah, name, Thieves? Can you remember? No, but it was brilliant. It's, one, it's my favourite thing so far. <laughs> every, every, every I was later on when he is dispatched by the. Uh, the horror of Bangkok <laughs> itself. Yeah. I was like, yes! I did go, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was genuinely pleased to see him die. Can we discuss at this point, mm. I don't think we need to worry about spoilers for something no. that was we shown in 1977. Years, but I did find <laughs> the attitude of death, the attitude towards death in this episode or this story Really, really weird, especially for the doctor because everyone yes. dies, and it doesn't seem literally yes. everyone dies. And the and there's quite a touching um, kind of rapport between the doctor and Vince. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he says something like, "You're a good lad, Vince." Yeah, and you think, "Oh, this is good. This is going to end well for Vince." No, but then literally everyone dies Ooh. except the doctor and Lena. Everyone dies. They just leave people to fight. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being the authorities that come. What yeah. the hell is that? Well, they imply, yeah. don't they? That this, this it's is, like the Marie Celeste kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, the, 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 the whole legend of like finding the that the lighthouse with, with everyone dead on it, and, yes. and, and he sort of quotes that famous poem at the end. At yeah. the end, yeah. Um, so, what do we think about that? Because I found that really almost distasteful in the way that. You're trying to who who is the doctor trying to save at that point? Well, I think because, he's trying to save Earth. Earth. Yes, but yeah. that kind of 
that becomes when all the characters are dead. It's a bit weird. It's strange. You don't know who you're rooting for, well, do well, you? there'd be a lot more hand-wringing over it in modern Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, about yeah, every, yeah, um, yeah. And also, I've written, you wouldn't have that ending in modern Doctor Who. No. They wouldn't, no. They wouldn't all die. Because I can see, especially this Doctor, maybe not crying over the, the, um, the bodies, but I feel like it's the role of the companion... Yeah, um, and I may be spoiled by again modern Doctor Who, but yeah. I feel it's like the role of the companion to actually sort of call him out on on it and say, look, you know, you should you should be upset yes. that all <clears> these people have died. Yes, but she she she's and again it's probably her character, but she's she's just laughing. She's equally not giving a shit about it. No, all. no, um, it's very weird. The the writing is quite strange, and I do I I I am so loyal to Doctor Who that I feel strange criticizing it. But I do think killing everyone off really removes the kind of... The ending has no kind of sense of um, peril or anything because everyone's already dead. And it's like, oh, the Earth... You know, the the, the Rutan or Rutan, as they keep saying. I always thought it was Rutan. Um, the Rutan spaceship is going to blow up the Earth. But it's like all the characters you've just spent the last four weeks with have all been electrocuted to death. So why would you care at that point? Because you know the Doctor's going to escape anyway, don't you? I mean, that's the point of Doctor Who. There is that. And also they kind of made that like he was, there was no kind of like, this plan might not work. Yeah, He was like, oh, this will work. This will work. And it did. We're going to put the diamonds in the thing and then put the thing on the thing and bang. And it's like, all right, okay. Um, The solution. (laughs) It's a Deus Ex Machina that it just happens at the end. There's no kind of, I feel like they should have been planting the idea that he's got diamonds on him from pretty early on. But I, I, I suppose if they started doing that, you see it as an obvious thing. It's going to be called back to you later on. But often mm. it's just like, oh, I, we, get some, we need some diamonds. We can use the light. We're going to fire the light yeah. at the end. Let's get out of here. Whereas, yeah. You know, I feel like you need to sort of see that in a little bit more and yes. allow it to sort of like, you know, us, the, the the audience to come to that conclusion alongside the people who are like, who are in the story. It's weird. The pacing is a bit weird because yes. so much padding in episode three and then the end of episode four is just like, everyone dies. Uh, put that in there. Yeah. Okay. F- flash the light. Uh, okay. Poetry are the end. And it's you, like, you don't necessarily know that anyone's going to, who are watching the last episode have seen any of the other episodes, do they? So it's, no, it's just, just good got point. to work. Whereas yeah. we're watching this all in a row, and, you, and yes. when we suddenly feel like the last episode, is, this solution hasn't been seeded in any of the previous episodes. No, but they don't necessarily need to do that. And they might not have written it in the last episode by the time they've making the first one. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> they probably all made it up on the day in, in a carry house in Birmingham where they invented the Balti. I don't know when the Balti... Should we find out when the Balti was invented? Do we think Tom Baker would have shouted the crew to a Balti in Birmingham after the rap of this? Um... I think he would have gone and watched Doctor Who in a child's um, living room. <laughs> dressed, whilst dressed, dressed <laughs> as a doctor. As doctor. Because you, you two can... And I think for the listening masses would want to hear this as well. You two have both met the great man, haven't you? Yes. Yes. And, yes. and I think people need to hear, Ross, about when you met Doctor Who. Well, it's not, like, it's not like, it's that an exciting, but I, we, we yeah, and, I think it's quite good. Me and John skived off philosophy to go and... Good man. Good, get, good, by, good, good. Um, his uh, autobiography, Who on Earth is Tom Baker? <laughs> Which is, Bal- Balti Curry arrived yeah. in England in 
arrived in England in Birmingham in yes. 1971. Sources Why? suggest it originates from Pac- uh, Baltistan in northern Pakistan. Yes, again, 1971 is a nexus <laughs> for us. <laughs> so I like to think that Tom maybe went with Louise Jameson and Paddy Russell, the female director of this story, and get, shouted them all to a nice balty curry. We were meeting I've met him twice. Oh, okay. So we met him when we went to get the uh, biography of who, who on earth is Tom Baker, which um, talks about him um, have, making a fake penis out of a, a screwdriver when he was played Rasputin. And of course, that, that, that was one of my yeah one of my uh, favorite stories in that book. But I've lost that book. I don't know where it is. So if I've really? got it, um, <laughs> oh, I've, it I've got my own copy that I bought the same day. Please. Yeah, so we queued up and then told him that we um, skived off philosophy to come and see the real doctor, and he was like, "Oh, oh, oh!" Finish in. Would you like we? Were we in Blackwell's? Blackwell's or Waterstones, I think. And they, yeah, it's Blackwell's, and it's not there anymore. And he so. gave us a jelly baby. So that was good. Did he? Yeah. Would you like a jelly baby? Yeah. And yeah. I also remember, Ross, you telling me that, like, you were suddenly, because you, you've met a couple of famous mm. people before, but you were suddenly overawed. So scared. So scared. Mm. And you were, like, frozen to the spot. So, I was so, like, I need to say something, I need to say something, I just couldn't think of anything to say. I need to say something, That's like when I met Brett Anderson of Suede. Um, well, no, I was going to, going would have been to a good meet- Yes, he would. I was going to meet Brett Anderson. We went to Chapter to see, uh, in 2016, they did a film that accompanied one of their albums and it was screened in Chapter. So we went to see it and Brett and Matt Osman were there and then they did a signing at the end, but I hadn't brought anything to sign because I didn't think they'd do a signing. When we met Debbie Harry, you got to sign a picture of Rod Stewart. <laughs> well, I didn't have anything. I didn't have any pictures of Roger with me that day. But um, you didn't jack um, cushion at the back of your car. Yeah, <laughs> still got. Um, but with the first time I met Tom Baker was in the Royal Show, which was in Stonely Showground in 1992. Um, and there was a BBC. So the Royal Show is an agricultural show, which doesn't happen mm. anymore. It was absolutely massive, and I can't believe it doesn't happen anymore. It was amazing. And it was very BBC Midlands-centric. So they had, um, in 1986, they had Anita Dobson in the back of a flatbed Land Rover <laughs> driving around like the Pope, waving at crowds. But in 1992, we heard uh, on the radio, uh, local radio, that that day... Tom Baker was going to appear in the BBC tent in the Royal Show. So me and my mother went. And then basically it was a a jamboree where there was Matt Irvin who did all the special effects for Doctor Who. So K-9 was there. The proper K-9 was there. um, And he showed how he did all the radio control for K-9 and stuff. Cool. Um, I'm trying to think who else was there. There was a few other strange people, like a guy that used to be in a sitcom called Hugh something, and I don't know why he was there. But then Tom Baker came out and just told this rambling monologue, um, dressed in this suit, which he appeared to have had for the previous 20 years, which when you look at him, for all of his other like previous promo shots for Doctor Who for the past 20 years, he's wearing the same suit. <laughs> Like a pinstripe suit. And then, um, so then I waited to meet him afterwards. 
And basically, no one else was... This is when Doctor Who was, like, on the bones of its ass. So it wasn't even on TV at this point. No one else was there to meet Tom Baker, which was nuts. He didn't give a toss, and he just... He sat and talked to me for, like, 25 minutes, and it was absolutely brilliant. But he... um, he was promoting Sharda, which is the unfinished yes. story from, I can't remember which season, I think the season after this potentially, or maybe the season after the next season, I can't remember now. <laughs> but um, that was released on video and he'd done inter, 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 interlocking, what the hell do you call it? He'd, he'd done a, a voiceover to, to narrate the parts that weren't finished, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he signed the uh, script book. Nice. Which I've still got somewhere. So it was amazing. But I, the both times I've met him, uh, he's brilliant. I think he is brilliant. I think he's nuts, but I think he, I think he literally is the doctor. And I think, yeah. I think Tom Baker just plays Tom Baker as the doctor. And that's what you get when you meet him, um, which is no bad thing, really. But I, it's funny to see that Paddy Russell says in the Wikipedia entry for this that um, he was very difficult to work with and that the role had gone to his head. And I can wow. imagine that was the case. Uh, after this point, I think he had got into trouble with Graham Williams, who was the producer on this, because he wanted to... Um, he wanted the companion to be a talking cabbage that would sit on his shoulder. <laughs> Which, um, well, it's almost there at the end, isn't it? It's yeah. almost a talking cabbage at the end. He's, yeah. They hear is it? Um, they hear a scream, don't they? Is that episode two or episode three? <laughs> that, 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 that's that's the end of episode two. Is it? I, my notes are the, rubbish. The, the older wiki, whose name I've already forgotten, Ruben. Yeah, Ruben. He's ah. And oh then yeah! Freak out about it, and then he yeah, just comes yeah, yeah. back. He said, "You know, kind of the thing. Who goes there? Hello, everyone." This and, is know. when <laughs> this is where I got quite confused because mm. I didn't know if it was a reanimated body or yeah. a, like a shapeshifter in the style of the Zygons. Oh, I assumed it was a reanimated body, but then later on, you, they find the body, so it wasn't a reanimated yeah, body, yeah. wasn't and, it? And the the alien says. Right, okay. Assume BBC Radiophonics Workshop. We have voice. voice, yeah. <laughs> we have got better. We, we, we have been working on, on uh, transforming ourselves, Doctor. <laughs> you know, that kind of vibe. Amazing. And then, and then Tom, Tom Baker says something pithy to them, like, oh, well, keep at it, dear boy. Ah, <laughs> you know, kind of. It is brilliant how posh he sounds, isn't it? I yes. don't think you have posh heroes anymore. I don't think you're allowed to have posh heroes anymore. Matt Smith was bike posh. Was he? I think he I was. Suppose he was. He was a posh boy trying not to sound posh. Yeah, whereas Tom just sounds posh. Like, it's very RP, isn't it? Yes. Like, mm. And I enjoy that kind of um, thing, really. I like. I quite like the um, the character of the secretary. Um, uh, of, uh, ah, the- yeah. Well, Adelaide. That was her name. It was obvious that she was... Well, I felt like it was obvious she was having an affair with yes. with her she boss. Yeah, and yeah, she loved him and uh, would uh, couldn't see his um, his faults and everything, even though he was an absolute arsehole. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Um, and and the, the one point when, when you find out when she finds out that he's died, he's been electrocuted. She starts going, Ooh! 
<laughs> I know. And Louise Jameson just slaps her. Yeah. I mean, it's, I just this, slap her. She's hysterical. There's some incredible <laughs> overacting at this point. <laughs> that she faints at one point. She screams she a lot. I really enjoy that. And, and I think she's to be seen as... Um, a semi-comedic character. Unfortunately, she's just brutally murdered. As murdered, well. and then I've written her death was a is is a, is a mercy in, in, a, in a way <laughs> to her and and the viewers. The alien then starts basically killing off the as as we've already pre-mentioned. Spoilers, everybody. You know, everyone dies. So the people of the lighthouse are sort of picked off one by one. Um, Tom Baker gives us a science lesson concerning diodes and electricity. Yeah. He goes very teacher at one point. He goes, well, let me tell you something about electricity here, kids. And, you know, uh, and spells it all out for us. And then um, it becomes clear that Ruben is, in fact, the, uh, you know, the alien who has crash landed, the, you know, the, the, the monster that's been terrorizing them. Um, and then Tom Baker goes, don't keep that ridiculous appearance on, you know, kind of appear as yourself. And you're very, yeah. very well, Doctor. <laughs> What's that? And then he said he just kind of appears as like what looks like a cough suite that's been left down the back of a sofa. <laughs> it's kind of green and it's sort of covered in hair, isn't it? So were you mm. aware of the significance of the Rutons, James? Oh, Christ, no. I had no idea. So uh, the Rutons are the... Yeah, the race who have been having the endless war with the the Sontarons. The Sontarons, yeah. who are yeah. like, the, probably like yeah, a, no, a, a second, a second yeah, level yeah, bad guys, yeah. aren't they? So, yeah, 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 yeah. They're not up there with they the They look like they've got potatoes. They're, they're, they're yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. We're a clone race with a great big head by cloning our races where we all say we are hungry and very we be constant for the boot and scum we fight or we die. We conquer the planet and destroy them. We are subcommons and auras, penis and To our soldiers, war is make a game. Alright, come to your death. I love the Sontarans, and my favourite. And maybe something we should watch at some point is the two doctors with the Sontarans, which is just the most insane fever dream Doctor Who story you will ever see. Where at one point in Spain, wasn't it? Yeah, it's and this uh, Patrick Troutner's got um, uh, orange eyebrows stuck on at one point. <laughs> it's really, it's just so weird. Um, isn't that, isn't that story really, the same? Related to the um, appearance of Doctor Who on Jim will fix it. I'm sure it was. Yes, it was Doctor Who in a fix with the Sontarans. And I think they did it at the same time to reuse the costumes. Mm. But I think Tegan is in that. Janet Fielding, not rather than Perry. Ooh. Nicola Brown, who is the very curvaceous uh, companion to Colin's Doctor. Unheralded, but I think a very good companion. And a very likable companion. So where are we up to with the story? Um there's a there's a good line by morning we might all be dead. Oh, I've got the have got the actual line written down here. Just to make everyone feel safe and like the doctor's gonna Yeah. Yeah. 
this lighthouse is under attack and by morning may we may all be dead and he says, <laughs> he says it with a smile doesn't yeah. he whereas I feel like that wasn't in the script for that he needs no. to be laughing when he's saying this line to I everyone I think the way that Tom does everything is like the opposite of what's expected yeah what a wheeze this is <laughs> <laughs> great costume as well this is my fa- yes. my favourite version of his it, costume he, he does look the great the legendary business. scar yeah. I like season 18's costume as well, which is a very burgundy. Oh, I don't uh, like that one. You don't like that one? No, John Nathan Turner's oh, I love influence. So there's a there's a good bit here in uh, yeah, episode three. The, the where, question marks. Yes, well, episode three where the um the the uh, horrible rich man is trying to bribe the young mm. the young Vince to um send a message off yeah. on, on the on the um the radio, um and he gives mm. them all that money. And then this, the monster is being pulled up the side of the uh, the, yeah. the the model of the of the lighthouse, <laughs> which, yeah, all amazing special effects. Yeah. Um, but then he has second he has second thoughts and he burns the money, and I thought that was quite a nice little. little mm. Yes. Uh, well, it's character Class development. War. Yeah. That's what really annoys me about this this story, is that this character development, which then goes nowhere because everyone's just killed off. Mm. Why Why is everyone killed? Um. One thing that I think is a really weird, um, you can't really call it a plot hole, it just doesn't go anywhere, is why Reuben keeps talking about the beast of Fang Rock and what happened 80 years ago before. Um, and then it's never ascertained whether the Rutans have been there before. Uh, I feel mm. like that's probably going to be picked up in a big finish. It probably is. Probably, probably already has been. But it, I found that weird. Um, I just thought that was something that they've kind of dropped in and then it isn't, yeah, you know, the doctor says, oh, balderdash. It's, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Myth. I can't think of the it's word. Just yeah, myth. yeah, yeah. And, and but then it's not, you know, it's it, they don't kind of find out either way if it's actually it's just to a, do it's a with nice what's going bit on. Um, flavour to it all, isn't it? And, uh, and it sort of adds to the spookiness of the, uh, yes. of the thing. So would you, would you say this is a horror? Would you come no. as, as, as a horror story? Now, the thing is, you've got to remember that you know, as I was watching it, I was like, ultimately, this is made for a family audience. As I was saying, it was who goes there, the thing for a family, you know, for, for kids who are 10 and 11. There, there, was, there, there were shots that were atmospheric and things that are very moody. But let's face it, there, there were no, there was no sort of jump scare. As John says, there were no real stakes to it. There was because mm. everyone was dead. Everyone yeah. was kind of, well, I, I, think I the- wouldn't classify it as a horror note. I think the amount of death in it, and you do see blood at one point on a corpse. I think there's a there's a description of a corpse that certainly would not be anywhere near contemporary Doctor Who. I mm, can't true. imagine ever seeing blood in modern Doctor Who on any dead bodies. Um, Someone calls the um, uh, the lighthouse a bastard machine at one point as well, which I thought really? was, yeah, was interesting for no way. yeah. yeah. I just, I, I think it's interesting that, that things passed under the radar then that now they would, uh, you know, some kind of uh, management team meeting for, for the tone meeting in the BBC, they'd shit themselves if, if yeah. they <laughs> saw it. Everyone's dead. Yeah. And this, this is going out at seven o'clock. This is going out at seven o'clock on Saturday night. It's a Everyone bit like, it wouldn't even pass the Hayes Code, really, because it's like you couldn't have a, 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 an ending where that's so nihilistic, really. I, I can't. Mm. I I was really surprised to see that everyone dies and it isn't 
you know, the last scene isn't a few of them back on the boat and sailing off into the sunset. Yeah. I thought that was really surprising. Mm. Um and, and quite weird, actually. But I do yeah. like it. That is a pretty straightforward story because it's very straightforward. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I find that a lot of sort of science fiction stuff or fantasy stuff from this era. Mm. When I watch it, like Sapphire and Steel, it's like it's almost like I don't really understand what's happening. <laughs> and I, I do find that with uh, a lot of, I would say, um, particularly um, Sylvester McCoy, Doctor Who, but some of the um, Colin Baker and, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Peter Davison, Doctor Who, where I'm watching, I'm going, I don't really understand this. Uh, that they, they, it's it's almost so ramped up its weirdness mm. um, that it's just almost impenetrable. Really? Yeah. Name one story. What? Uh, Ghost Light? Ah, oh, well, you know exactly what's happening in Ghost Light. <laughs> uh, um, uh, snake Dance. Yeah, I know exactly what's happening in Snake so, Dance. I just find it really <laughs> difficult to watch. The, the Visitation. Um, all, the, all, what? The Visitation is like the most simple story to understand. Or is it Enlightenment? I'm getting mixed up. But is that oh, enlighten- Enlightenment is quite cloudy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just so yeah, much, yeah. Yeah, so much of this stuff. Uh, and, but if we go talk about contemporary stuff to, the, to this episode, if we talk about like Sapphire and Steel and stuff, mm. got no idea what's going on most of the Sapphire time. Sapphire and Steel is, is an ad, was an adult program though, wasn't mm. it? Whereas this mm. was on at like half past six or something on a Saturday night before the Generation Game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you've got to remember that aspect of it. Uh, overall, I really enjoyed it. But I was surprised by the death toll and how miserable the ending was. It was quite un-Doctor Who-y mm. um, to have no one saved and to, and it just to be, well, we've saved the planet, but you, no one really knows that we've saved the planet. Well, should we skip Moving on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we've kind of talked about what happens in the last episode. Yeah, already. yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry yeah. on. Yeah, so... Should we should we talk about would we recommend this and what, what our general thoughts are? It's going to be quite a short episode tonight I, I, if we do that. That's right. I'm One happy of the things that. I just want to point out is that you know when uh, the Doctor sets up the you know the final you know I'm going to blow up the spaceship from distances. He says um, he says to Louise Jameson, "Once this begins, we've got 117 yeah. seconds yeah. to get out of here." Which I enjoyed that. Such an amazingly so specific of time. Mm. Like, how did he figure that out? And that's probably but, Tom put that in as well. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yes. But right, Terence, okay. I've, I've thought of a line. Right. 117 <laughs> seconds. I'll put that in. You're all right with that, aren't you? Yes, of course. And if you don't let me say this, I'm I'm yes. not I'm not going to do that. Replace the companion with a fucking cabbage. Cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm friends with Francis Bacon. Doubles <laughs> <laughs> um, around. Uh, would we recommend this? Yeah, definitely. This this is it, I feel if you want to if you have to look at a um, classic Doctor Who yeah uh, I would say this I I felt there's when I was younger um, yeah. there used to be some Doctor Who videos you could hire from the from the video shop which was, the yeah. video shop was opened by Darth Vader John uh, James of course yeah, brilliant brilliant someone yeah. dresses um, Darth right. Vader <laughs> and he got, <laughs> yeah he got a load of hassle from the Waterloo Estate kids yeah. Um, so for fifty p, you could rent uh, Horror Fang Rock, The Talents of Ren Chayan, uh, uh, the um, what's, Revenge what's the Zyg- of the Cybermen. What's the Zygon? Zygon Terror one called? Terror of the Zygons. Mm. Um, 
yeah, you could you could rent any of those ones, and they're all mixed up in my head, and that's why I'm always confused <laughs> when uh, Terror of the Zygons is a poetry story. Is it? No, it's not. No, no. that's Baker as well, Twi- but it's quite similar to this because it's shape shifting aliens. Well, which as one's well. the, what's the one with the um? Not uh, this monster. Not this monster. Yeah, that's Terror of the okay. Zygons. All right, so um, there is a story as well, which um, we could rent, but I always get that mixed up as well. Day of the Daleks. It might be Demon, the Demons. No, that didn't come out on D- on video until much later. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, I'll cut all this out there because it makes no sense. But yeah, okay. <laughs> those are the ones which I watched, I watched over and over again as a kid would, would, yeah. would rent them out. And yes, this is um, classic. I think this is classic, classic Doctor Who. I would recommend the first episode, or maybe episode two, but episode three and four, I don't know. And I don't know if I would... Oh, yes, because it, you, you, it's the first time you saw it, John. So yeah, tell yeah, us more yeah, about yeah. that. Well, I wouldn't have the, the second two episodes, uh, as in um, the final two episodes, I wouldn't have those down as quintessential Doctor Who. I think they're quite atypical in the fact that everyone dies quite a miserable ending. I think that the atmosphere and, and the kind of plotting of episode one and two is really good, um, is it exceptionally good for Doctor Who. And then I think after that, it goes a bit weird. Um, but for me, I, I, I think classic Doctor Who works best as historicals because it looks fine. If yes, they do anything yeah. future-based, it just looks yeah. shit. It's yeah. often not very good. You know, people with grey makeup on and mm. stuff. but. I don't know. I mean, it's difficult because I remember watching a story like Frontios when I was a kid, which is a Davison story, which absolutely scared the living shit out of me. And when I tried to watch it again uh, recently, fairly recently, obviously it just didn't have the same effect. Mm. And I couldn't really match up my memory with even what was happening on screen, which Mm. was quite weird. Um, But this one, I don't know... For the purpose, I mean, for the purposes of the podcast, I don't know if I would recommend it as Ooh. a horror, um, which is quite weird. I mean, as a, as a as a horror Doctor Who, I think there's much more horrific Doctor Who, but I do think that comes later, particularly with there's a story, uh, a Colin Baker story called Mind Warp, where Perry has her brain swapped um, with a slug like alien called Kiv. And the doctor, the, yeah, the doctor can't do anything about it, and it's really horrific because the companion has died and she's been changed into this creature, which is just nuts. And they again, they would never ever do anything like that. But, now but did with it, the story it turn out that didn't actually happen. That was just the. Um... It did turn out at the end of the season, yeah, that she'd gone off with Brian Blessed playing uh, <laughs> King King Irkranos. But I remember at the time, because she, she wakes up and she's had all of her hair shaved off, supposedly, mm. but it's just a ball cap, obviously. And that that is a really horrific story. Also, Terror of the Vervoids from that season as well. There's a woman in this weird um, incubator thing who's turned half into a plant and half of her face has turned into a plant. And um, I found that absolutely terrifying when I was little. And I watched that again quite recently. And that is really, really you just can't believe that that was on at th- that point, 1986, Saturday tea time, like someone with half their face turned into a plant. I was going to say, the one that I remember watching and feeling 
uh, you know, kind of feeling uncomfortable watching it and feeling like a bit, bit discombobulated. But I've mentioned it before. The one was uh, Sylvester McCoy one, the circus one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greatest show I in the galaxy. That I found that pretty creepy. Yeah, when I was a kid, it is creepy in a way that I didn't find this creepy. Another one which doesn't make any. It just <laughs> I don't know what's happening. It, it, I'm just enjoying something. Out of the unusual being on do television. You, do you listen to the dialogue that cleaves? <laughs> <laughs> do you just watch the pictures? I, I think I do often zone out when I'm watching television. I was I was quite surprised by a lot of this story and I didn't expect a lot of it. And I've seen that there's it's had great reviews from illustrious Whovians in the past mm. uh, in, in various books. And I don't know if I agree with them. Like mm. people saying five out of five for it. No. I, I don't know if it's a five out of five compared right. to your remembrance of the Daleks or your, um, I mean, that's probably my favourite story of all time. Uh, we went, went and saw that at the South Bank, didn't we, John? We did. And I still think that is just an unbelievable piece of television that looks so epic that you can't believe it was made in 1988 on a budget of like two pence. I was really, really excited to go and see that. But yeah. I, got, I got really pissed the night before. And I, <laughs> I went all the way to London and I think I slept through half of it. <laughs> was that in the BFI? It yeah, was, but we it? did get to go into a room with uh, Sylvester McCoy dressed in a, in a kilt on, yeah. on crutches. So that, yes. was, that was a... I was very scared then. That was another point where I got very, very frightened. I might get to talk to Sylvester McCoy and not know what to say. So, just, I, What year was that? Not sure. Was it for... It wasn't for the 50th, was it? No. It might have been. 2013. Around about that time. Yeah. yeah. Fucking hell. Lots of yes. people hanging around. It was quite cool, though, going into the green room where yeah. all the people hanging around outside with their photo albums. With yeah, 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 yeah. Again. We just walked straight through. Yeah. <laughs> we met the special weapon yes. Dalek as well, didn't we? Did we? Um, mm. yeah. James, did, would yes. you recommend watching this to anyone? Um, as I said, as a non-Hoovian, uh, I, you know, I, I would say if you're a Doctor Who fan, it's absolutely worth a watch for the reasons that we've highlighted. I, the very, the, the darkness, the very kind of almost nihilistic ending. Absolutely. And you know, I think it's uh, an important part of the, uh, the, uh, the show's history like that. But as for non-Hoovians, no, I, I wouldn't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, not. I think you're right, I James. Think I, I think Tom's, performance uh, it's a bit like Deathline in that Tom's yes. performance elevates it way beyond what the material is which is actually A to B to C to D yes. mm. monster yeah. in a lighthouse killing yeah. everyone literally all that happens is a monster goes to a lighthouse it kills everyone and then it finishes <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like there's and, no and he's beaten quite easily yeah, what do but, they you know, even do? They fire a fucking rock at him. Yeah, like uh, the, the major set sacrifices his life. He goes, and just sort of launches himself <laughs> at it. That isn't quite an effective death because it's 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 um, backwards, and it's so they obviously filmed pulling the tentacle off him, but it's played mm. backwards, so it looks like the tentacle goes around his neck, and that's no. quite a good death. Whereas the other death deaths are just people screaming with like a blue tint over them like like you know kind of min- yeah. miniature dalek effects isn't it yeah the light it on is, light yeah. off yeah <laughs> put big light on and off okay so uh would we survive this 
This is our new song. Well, no. Would anyone survive no. this? I'm no. no. Unless you are Doctor Who. <laughs> I'll say that without um, ice in my mouth. No, you wouldn't survive it unless you are Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> because everyone dies. Marks out, marks out a five. Difficult, isn't it? It's a Whovian. Mm. Um, as a non as a non Hoovian, I'd say two. Oh, a two for James. I yeah, I was going to say two as well. I think a, a solid four for Tom, and mm-hmm. probably a, a solid four for Louise Jameson as well, who I think is really good in this. Yes, I've she, never she, seen she Leela before, and I think she's really engaging and a good companion. Have oh, you never seen Leela before? No, 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 I haven't. No, compared to some of the sad sacks that we've got now as companions, that are just. <laughs> absolutely fag paper thin just non-portrayals even of human beings i think this is really she was really good in this yeah so what you give it a four two two but but fours for the for the leads so i had this down as a four but you guys Did talked, you? Me wow. talked me down so i'm gonna Talk give me it down i'm gonna give it a three three a three but uh, if, if, if you weren't watching it stoned, <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. What is pigmentation dispersal caused by the flash? Your eyes have changed colour. You can stop blinking now. Let's go. What colour are they? Blue. Though we're hunting high and low, and hunting everywhere. What? The Ballad of Flannan Isle by Wilfred Gibson. Who? Wilfred Gibson. I, though we're hunted high and low, and hunted everywhere. The three men's fate. We found no trace. In any time, in any place. But a door ajar, and an untouched meal, and an overtoppled chair. we'll be covering Clive Barker's Hellraiser, available to stream on Amazon Prime in the UK. Okay. Well, thank, thank you, you very much. everyone. Happy day. Yeah. Until Love next light. time, everyone. Stay safe. Peace <laughs> you soon. Love, light, peace. You have been listening to The General Witchfinders. <laughs> Support the show and continue the conversation at patreon.com forward slash general witchfinders. Subscribe and spread the word at generalwitchfinders.com. Farewell, and don't have nightmares. put it on people's shoulders when they were in the makeup <laughs> chair. Um, I've met him and he's not a nice man. Oh dear. Really? Yes. Yeah, he, he gave me a very, very 
lusty clap on the on the arm, Ooh. which which was very like alpha male and kind of like I'm the boss here when they when they asked him to do something in a photo. <laughs> who was I slagging off before? I can't remember who. Oh, um, Michael Sheen. Sheen. Michael Sheen, of course. He's not as bad as Sheen. <laughs> he's more transparent uh, than Sheen. I think he right. knows that he's a prick and he doesn't care. Whereas I think Sheen genuinely Thinks does he's, think he's Jesus. Jesus. Christ, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all this is going in the podcast, isn't it? Of course, it? yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Cass, I was going to say, assassination, character assassination. Fuck, yeah. I've only had half a beer. Cancel oh, cast. my gosh. Yeah. Half, half of skinny beer, Ooh. which is um, gluten-free, wheat-free. Oh. What the um, fuck's it made of? Low calories. I don't know. Well, how can you make beer if it hasn't got gluten? Yeah, I don't know. It's nice, though. Is it? What? Oh. What are hops? They're... Plants. What's beer made of? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was made of wheat. Yeah, but, I uh, did. What's beer made of? Uh, don't know. Doesn't know. Oh, stupid bitch. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> Alexa, shut up. <laughs> Alexa, shut up. Right. Just Alexa, Ross, it's Alexa, stop. That's what you got. <laughs> shut <laughs> up. Disgusting. What's happening in the service station tonight, James? Well, let's have a look, John. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> got to stand up. Anyone there with a sawn off shotgun? There's a silver BW van. Yeah, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep the window open if you want for a bit for a bit of atmosphere. Yeah, let's keep the We we talk till it gets dark. <laughs> there you go. All right, let, let me uh, bring. I did listen. Oh, I, I, I'm now up to date listening to our podcast. Yes. Yeah. There's one I can't remember which it is. Where it's which very. No, it's very noticeable that you were steaming all the way through it, Cleves. <laughs> it might be Satanic Rites of Dracula. Is so that the du- one I, I can't stop laughing? I'm, no, I don't think it is, actually. Is the one I'm talking about? Um, Words of Garbage. Possessor. Words of Garbage was the one I was really drunk when I was... I, I can't remember. Crying that. about Wurzel. Mm. <laughs> but don't get that drunk again, because no. it's quite hard to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I promise. <laughs> I already poured out quite a large whiskey, but um. Oh my gosh! What whiskey is it? Was that whiskey? This is um. Looks posh. Oh, yeah, it is a posh one. Bum hard Bum TP for my bum hole. Yes. <laughs> and where's is that a present from the RNLI or something? <laughs> no, that was um. I don't know. Don't know? Get, what, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> when, you're like, married, when you're married, things just appear in your house. And you don't <laughs> Children. Yeah. <laughs> Court summonses. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.